Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. My name's Nick Panunto, and I'm joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how is it going? It's going all right, Nick. How are you? Oh, you know, my back stopped working again. So uh, I've been dealing with that again. But otherwise, pretty good. I've seen... I've seen a, parts of lots of movies this week, but I saw I saw two complete ones. I did as well. Which ones did you see? I watched a movie called Empire of Dreams, mm-hmm. the story of the Star Wars trilogy from 2004. Yeah. And I watched a movie called Arctic from 2019. Now, I know what you're thinking right now, Matt. You're thinking... Didn't Nick already talk about a movie called Arctic from yes. 2000? Well, you're right, but this one is spelled with a K, and it's oh, a horror. Oh God! Thing. Oh no! Oh man! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what did you watch this week? <laughs> I watched two movies. I went to the theater and caught a little film called Ad Astra, starring Brad Pitt. Oh, okay. And then. Last night, I treated some family members to 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I'll probably talk about more briefly because I think I discussed it on the pod way back in the day when it was in the theaters. Okay. I've gone first the last few times, so if you'd like to go first with one of your movies, that's acceptable. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, how about I do 10 Cloverfield Lane since that's going to be kind of quick. All right. Um, I guess at this point, I will assume everyone has seen Cloverfield. But if you haven't seen Cloverfield, just skip ahead three minutes and go watch it. <laughs> it's just watch it on as big of a screen as you can, because if it's and sit very close <laughs> to the screen, because the more you can have the experience of not knowing quite what you're seeing, the better. And I do mean that sincerely. I'm not just ragging on the movie. Now, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, Have you seen this one yet, Nick? This is the John Goodman one? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. Cool. Okay, so spoiler alerts for 10 Cloverfield Lane, too. Uh, I enjoyed this when I saw it in the theater. And even when, at the end, it turns out that there have been attacks going on outside, aliens are behind it. Uh, I didn't even mind it then. I was like, that's fine with me. I, I know from the first movie that Cloverfield movies turn out to be about aliens. Now, I've never seen the new one on Netflix, nor will I ever, because it sounds terrible. (laughs) And I enjoyed these first two movies, so I don't want to ruin it. Second time around, this movie still, I enjoy the tension. Obviously, you know, the the big moment where someone gets killed, it doesn't come as much as a surprise, you know, having seen it before. Um, This is the, um, the, the other guy in the compound? Yeah. Yeah. Does he? Does he? Doesn't he shoot him? Yeah, he shoots him. And a uh, great moment in the theater. Um, but this was a good movie because I was watching people watch it, <laughs> and so like I heard three. I don't think I heard a fourth, but I heard three of the people go ah. <laughs> so doesn't doesn't he shoot him? Like they're just kind of talking, and he just does it suddenly. It's it's pretty abrupt. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's a tense scene. But the way yeah. it's set up, it's a tense scene, and then the tension's falling, and then that happens. So it's as okay. as you're breathing a sigh of relief, he gets shot. So, and I'd say, you know, as a viewer, if the 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 fun, if you want to call it that, in that was, you know, seeing other people watch it. But for myself, you know, it was, it was pretty like okay, I knew this was coming. Uh, but the movie's still pretty good up till the aliens part. <laughs> I will say <laughs> that. The second time around, you know, it was just like, I'm going to pretend like the end's not even happening. And and the folks that I was watching it with were all kind of like, well, this ending was kind of dumb. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think when it comes to Cloverfield movies, it's the reveal is not the great part. It's not like Sixth Sense or uh, The Usual Suspects or something like that. In this movie, it's just all the tension and confusion and wondering that leads up till the ending. Now that we've spoiled it, <laughs> go watch it if you haven't had that experience. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a great movie for for making you wonder what's going on and for tension. Yeah, it doesn't have the replay value that you might like unless you just kind of want to have a 
decent movie to kill some time and you don't care that at the end it's going to be dumb. Yeah, I, I remember when I watched it, I was like, this is quite entertaining, but I don't know if I want to see it again. But it's been a long time since I saw it, so maybe a lot of I've forgotten a lot of the twists and turns, but I, I definitely remember the, the, the fun about it being whether is he telling the truth or isn't he? Right, right. Exactly. You keep going. You keep going back and forth on it. When you're like, you keep going. Oh, oh, I'm all right. I'm on this guy's side. To I am totally against this guy. To I'm back on his side. Right. It was really great emotional manipulation. And it moves pretty quickly too. It's, it's a pretty. I, I don't remember actually how long it is, but it's a pretty quickly paced movie for something that's all in one setting. You know, and doesn't have a lot of big events to happen. It is all kind of in that twist of like, hmm, that makes him seem kind of strange. Oh, actually, he's kind of reasonable. No, he's kind of. He might be off. He seems like a jerk. No, he's kind of nice. And it doesn't seem inconsistent either. It's not like John Goodman's like just playing an inconsistent character it's it's all in the ambiguity so that's that's still really well done i i I would say it was still a good movie up till the end and again i i actually still don't mind the aliens thing but it's it's once she's out of there and she's dealing with the aliens it's just like she's making them all tough cocktails she's being chased through this thing she's being she's falling out of a out of the sky in a car like there's just yeah. a lot of over-the-top stuff thrown into about four minutes of movie but I- i'm still gonna say it's a good movie okay and that's it fair enough 10 cloverfield lane i'm gonna have a lot more to say about it extra okay and there will be a preview well, corner well keeping with our space theme yeah our aliens theme i watched empire of dreams the story of the star wars trilogy it's from 2004 it was directed by Edith Becker and Kenneth Burns, and this is a documentary about the, I don't want to say the making of, but basically the making of the original Star Wars trilogy, New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. And this documentary is pretty good. It really spends a whole lot of time on the first Star Wars movie, and you really get a depth of appreciation of the hell that George Lucas kind of went through trying to get this movie made. Mm -hmm. But this movie is really just kind of, I think it was made as propaganda because the Revenge of the Sith movie was coming out. Like it's really just a big Star Wars commercial. And everyone in the movie talks about how great George Lucas is and how wonderful he is and how wonderful Star Wars is and how much it means to everybody. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get back to how you made the movie. And that's where the the documentary really shines is how they, they talk about how they created all these set pieces. They created an industry that had like basically ceased to exist with the way special effects were made when they're shooting in Tunisia for like the Tatooine stuff on, on a new hope, how it's supposed to be this dry desert and they had like their wettest summer ever so like things got destroyed and they they really went through a lot to get this movie made and you can really understand why in the prequel trilogy it really opens your eyes a lot to to see george lucas as a when he's a much older man trying to make these sequel movies why it's all green screen, why it's all shot on sets, everything's fake, there's like Mm -hmm. nothing real. He wanted to take all that out because a lot of the problems that he had making these movies was he wanted independence from the studios while making these movies. So Mm -hmm. after the first Star Wars movie, he financed himself Empire and Jedi, and both movies went over budget. Both movies had huge giant sets and huge monsters. You know, they have to deal with all of these different individual but large problems that add up to the point where when they're making Empire Strikes Back, the sequel to what was then the biggest movie ever made, the most profitable movie ever made, Star Wars, the banks started betraying them or saying, we kind of want our money now. Give us the money back. What? Yeah, because movies weren't done on time. They ran late. Uh-huh. And so you could see why Lucas is like, in the prequel movies, you could see that in his... You can almost see the, his thought process because if we shoot everything on green screen, if we shoot it all in this big room, I can just record my actors and then we can build the sets and all the aliens later. We don't have to deal with any of these models or all of this stuff. We can just make the movie, 
for exactly how much we said we're going to make it for and we'll put it out. And you can see the evolution into that. It doesn't forgive it at all, but you can see why he is doing that. It just kind of explains it. It explains it a little bit. But but you do that as the viewer. The movie doesn't do that at all. This movie is all about kissing George Lucas's ass. Okay, okay. At the time, it's 2004 when this came out, he still owned Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hadn't become a Disney property yet. Like, I mean, the, the documentary has all this weird stuff in it, too, like strange interludes in it. Thank like, it, towards the end of when they're making Return of the Jedi, he starts talking about how wonderful, like, life is, and he has his family on the set. And then it cuts to him just saying, and it turns out that as Jedi was getting released, my wife was divorcing me. And you're like, what? He's like, and then I was left to raise my daughter alone. And you're like, what? And then they just go on to say, and then Return of the Jedi was a very successful movie. And you're like, wait, what? What just happened? Like, why would you put this in the movie? Because they just couldn't not acknowledge it, I guess. I guess. I guess he was like, we're going to have to mention this. And I know like George Lucas's divorce from his, his wife was very difficult. And it's actually one of the reasons why Temple of Doom is such a, a dark movie, oh, yeah. um, the Indiana Jones. And, mm-hmm. and it's because he was like, he was in a really bad place and he just wanted to write about that. So that's why Temple of Doom is really, really dark. Uh, instead of like the other. Out. Yeah, ex- literally having their hearts ripped out. Yeah. From like a fan point of view and like someone who enjoys the process of filmmaking, it's kind of neat to watch and how they developed all these filmmaking techniques. It, it's definitely worth checking out. It's really long. It's two and a half hours. Ugh. And like, it's like the first hour and a half is all about the first movie. And you get a lot of information about it, stuff that I, I had never heard of. And, and with the uh, the cast and crew of the, the Star Wars movies, they're all getting up there in age. So they're probably like the people in this movie are all very old. And you're like, I bet they're not even around anymore. So it's cool that these people got a moment in the sun kind of to explain their role in creating something that I enjoy immensely. I wish they didn't have to kiss george lucas's ass so much but it's really well worth checking out if you're if you're a star wars fan and you're interested in how they made it one thing that the things that they don't touch on very much are like the mark hamill mark hamill had like a motorcycle accident yeah but between a new hope and empire strikes back Mm -hmm. they don't mention that at all really they like anything kind of negative Either if they do address it, they just kind of glance over it. For instance, uh, Harrison Ford. (laughs) 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 Harrison Ford wasn't signed for all three movies. And so when the third movie came around, that's, well, at the end of Empire, where he gets frozen in carbonite. Yeah, that was supposed to be the end of him, right? That was supposed to be the end of him. And then they're like, yeah, but people really like Han Solo. And so they basically had two scripts for the movie. One was if Harrison Ford decided to come back, and one was if he didn't. And we all know he came back, but his characters got really nothing to do in in Jedi. Right. It's kind of a weird thing. And Jedi is the weakest of the the first three movies that's and they also spend the least amount of time in the documentary on jedi like they just kind of roll past it they also go into a little bit of irvin kershner directed empire strikes back uh-huh. and lucas likes to have his hand he didn't want to direct but he wanted to move things a certain way and kershner was like no we're not gonna do that we're gonna make this movie my way and so he and Lucas butted, butted heads a lot, which yeah. is why he he didn't come back for Jedi. And he went with this relatively unknown television director, oh, Richard Marquand, I think his name is. I might have that wrong. And George Lucas just would tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. So like he was he was like the director without the title. You could see where Jedi could have been better, but it's not like it's a bad movie. I like Jedi. But it's 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 interesting to, to watch this documentary and see past what they're trying to say. And you can kind of see the actual thing that's going on, which was interesting. Yeah. Empire of Dreams, the story of the Star Wars trilogy. It's worth checking out. OK, I probably won't. 
Two and a half okay. hours sounds like a lot of time. I watched <laughs> so, it over three days. <laughs> good, good call. Yeah, and and actually, I I know some of that stuff, and I don't know why. Like as a someone who doesn't really consider themselves a Star Wars fan, I don't know why I know all that trivia. But I definitely, I don't think I'd enjoy watching a long commercial talking about how great George Lucas is. I could see why there's a lot more emphasis on the first movie, though, because he probably had to jump through hoops for the first time, you know, and once it was made, not having to sell this completely bonkers-seeming idea. Yeah. No, no, Um, it totally makes sense why they spend so much time on it, and most of the interesting stuff is the making of the first movie. Yeah. And that's where it ends, an hour and a half in, and you're like, okay, this is the natural ending point for this documentary. And then they go, I guess we'll do the other two movies too. Mm-hmm. And the other, and the other two movies are not done as in depth or with as much effort as they put into the first, first movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I would probably also be frustrated with the not hearing the negative stuff. Cause I would want to know about how those conflicts were, resolved and whatnot you know and how they came to be yeah i want the unauthorized story of <laughs> right. the star wars trilogy you know like i want i want to know the dirt but i also want to know more technical stuff like we chose this like they have all these behind the scenes footages and, yeah. and alternate takes of famous scenes and i like seeing that stuff the most like that's kind of what i want to see is like the you want to yeah, see it really get like built piece by piece yeah, that's what I want to see. I want to see how a movie like that gets gets made. And I also want to know all the dirt. <laughs> I also want to know the gossip because Carrie Fisher, you know, she had an alleged drug problem. And Harris, I think her and Harrison Ford were an item for a while, but then they broke up. But they still had to be in love on the, the Star Wars set, you know, but they don't touch that at all. So, Where's that? I, I, want, I want some dirt. <laughs> Uh, well, I could see it being a really popular thing too. If there was like, as far as like building things brick by brick, sort of a do it yourself, uh, almost like using all the, here's how we made all the special effects. Here's how we made all these technical decisions for someone like you who's interested in putting something together like that, uh, having it be almost instructional. Yeah. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. And then I could make my own star war. So what should we move on to your other movie or Ad Astra? Let's save Ad Astra for the end. All right. Cause I feel like we're going to make a stop and preview corner. Well, then we will. There's even a brief commercial corner. Oh boy. Can't wait. We'll go on to my second movie. Architic. I don't know how you. Ar- I don't know how you make a sound sound more like a K than a C. I'm looking. I'm looking at it, and I think it's more supposed. It's all one word: A R T I K. And I'm thinking it's oh, Arctic. 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 <laughs> Aortic. Aorta. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't matter. Arthur. Uh, so this movie is. Oh, I thought from- we were playing a game. <laughs> So, so this movie is from 2019. It is a blessed hour and 18 minutes long. And six of those, six, seven, eight, up to nine minutes of it are credits, oh. which leaves you with a movie that's an hour and nine minutes long. Feels like, it's two, feels like it's two hours long. Oh, no. I don't feel bad for you at this point. You have other movie <laughs> options. And you shouldn't. Um, yeah, my empathy was, is dead. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, one of the movies that I watched part of the way through was The Descent. Oh. We got halfway through that, and then my twins woke up, and my wife left and never came back because she, cause she went to sleep. She didn't go out to get, like, a, a pack of smokes or anything. <laughs> she went to uh, buy some milk. <laughs> she'll be, she's she's my, probably just stuck in traffic. My cereal's still dry. <laughs> so dry, scratches my throat. But so we didn't get to finish the descent, so I I can't talk about it this week. Oh man! Hopefully next week I can talk about it. All right. So Arctic. We think this is according to the IMDb. Here's the description of the movie: A comic book obsessed serial killer teaches his son how to get away with a series of brutal murders until the boy befriends a mysterious man who threatens to expose everything. That is kind of what this movie's about, but not really. Oh, well, that sounds like a 
kind of interesting premise. Yes, it does sound like kind of an interesting premise, which is kind of why I wanted to see it. Where to even begin with this movie? First, the good stuff. This movie is really great at creating tension and suspense. It's really well shot. I really enjoyed the way the movie looks for the most part. The acting is is actually pretty good. The guy who plays Arctic is this guy named Jerry Angelo. He was great. He basically is just doing a, a Buffalo Bill impression from Silence of the Lambs. Okay. But I don't know if that's like his actual voice, but he talks like this all the time. And he's like a real big guy with a great a great big bushy beard. Uh, uh, okay. And- <laughs> all right. And he's got this real long hair and his wife is this lady named Flynn. The actress's name is Lauren Carter. The main character of this movie, I guess, if it's not Arctic, is this character Holton, who is Chase Williamson. And now it's with this guy Holton. About 25 minutes into this movie, I started thinking, is this a hardcore porn? Violent? <laughs> no, the opposite. Is this is this a Christian movie that I'm watching here? Oh. I'm like, is this like a, a like a backdoor Christianity kind of thing? Because the main character of the movie doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, he doesn't do anything bad. He's always talking about being pure. He keeps his body pure and like all this stuff. He goes to these Al Anon meetings and he talks about how I guess what he's talking about is he was abused as a child, but they don't really get into like, was it just physical abuse? Was it just emotional abuse? Was it any other kind? They don't go into that at all, but he goes to these Al-Anon meetings every week and, you know, he talks about his problems, which is, you know, totally fine. And it's at this point, you're like, I kind of like this character. He seems pretty cool. He doesn't like, he doesn't bullshit around. He catches this young boy at his work he's like a welder or something or some kind of an artist it does it's not very clear okay what what he's doing but he's doing a lot of metal work and he leaves it's, work he's one day building an iron man suit <laughs> he leaves work one day and goes you know what i'm gonna go walk behind my building and he walks behind his building and there's this child who looks like he's 10 maybe and the kid is spray painting the side of the building which a thousand of other people have done. And the guy's like, oh man, you're doing that all wrong. Like he's actually like really cool with the kid. He's like, you got to put some style into it. You're just real stiff. And he's like, he's like, I should know. I did half of this stuff. And the Uh kid's like, a kid doesn't talk much. He's just kind of like terrified that he got caught in the movie. We have seen this kid before where he was tagging this building. And then he and the guy Arctic, the big, buffalo bill kind of guy yeah go to where he marked this building and they pretend to have truck problems like engine trouble and this guy comes out and he says oh you guys need some help because he's friendly and arctic is like yeah i got this truck from my cousin and it doesn't run all the time and the guy goes ain't that the way it is well let's see if we can get you running again and arctic's like that would be super great and then he hits this guy in the back of the head with a sledgehammer (laughs) god yeah and this is when the movie was really good like 10 minutes into this movie i'm like i am all in on this movie this is great Uh and then they take this guy back to his murder shed and puts him in like this weird scary chair where you can't move but this guy's head's like broken open and he just starts talking to the man about heroes and purity and all this stuff and i'm like okay and he's like working on his own comic book while he's talking to this guy that's supposed to be the the thing about this movie is that comic books that's it comic books it's hey wait is this an m night Shyamalan movie you just took the words out of my mouth i was gonna say it's like a really violent version of Unbreakable, where this guy is looking for a hero, but like a real hero, not the heroes that are in these books that he's got. And they show how obsessed with comics he is because he has two stacks of them on his desk and he's like making his own comic book with real violent drawings. Uh-huh. And that's the only connection to comic books that this movie has. 
is that this guy just likes flipping through the pages of an old daredevil. Anyway, so he's got like a plastic bag around this guy's head in the chair. Uh-huh. And then he's like talking to him and you don't know if the guy is awake or not because he did get hit in the head with a sledgehammer. And then he kills him by jamming a like a railroad stake into his heart. And that was gross and intense. So it was cool. And then the man and the boy plant his body in the backyard of their farm. So he lives on this giant farm. Wait, wait, wait. They, uh-huh. they plant it or they bury it? They bury him, but... The head is above. The, oh God, the they did plan it. <laughs> like yeah. It's going to turn into a man tree. But his head is covered with a plastic bag. So it's, so he's totally dead. But they have the, like their farm is a sunflower farm. Okay. And so like the heads are like coming out of the ground and they look like sunflowers. I don't know. And then the movie starts with him painting their faces on the bags. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't come back at all. And so the movie just kind of goes goes along like that like he kills a couple of people and then we get to meet our main character when he finds the kid tagging that building so now we're back to where i was talking before where they were talking about spray paint uh-huh and the main guy holton he's he like gonna look like bruce willis he does not okay um he looks like a young timothy oliphant timothy oliphant from go okay the guy's got some gorgeous cool hair i'll give him that (laughs) like he's got some great hair i was like wow this guy's got cool hair and the actor does quite a good job performance wise and then he like befriends this kid like where are you supposed to be right now kid blah 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 and then a a few moments later they're over by his car and the kid is eating on a granola bar that the guy had Uh and kids just inhaling it and he's like looks like breakfast was a couple days ago huh and you could tell that he he's concerned about the welfare of this child. And he's like, do you live somewhere? And the kid nods and he goes, do you have parents? And he doesn't really say anything. And he goes, you've got owners though, don't you? And the kid nods. Yes. And he goes, yeah, I know about owners. And I'm like, what, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like if that's like a thing where kids aren't considered children, because that's the other thing that this movie doesn't establish very well is if this kid is actually Arctic and his wife's son, or if they've just kidnapped him because they have a whole, they have a whole barn full of children that work for them. Uh And I guess they just like this kid. So he gets to stay in the house and the kid doesn't say anything. And the guy's like, yeah, I know about owners. Here's another granola bar. Let's get you home. So he just like, he gives him a ride back to Arctic's house and he's like, all right, see you later. And he leaves. And then the kid comes back like the next day, they talk a little more. And then this guy tells him, you know, you you should write down like your hopes and dreams. And so the kid does, and he just starts drawing these horrifying images of stuff he's seen, which basically match. Yeah. Because the dad, the dad does all the murdering in front of the kid because he wants the kid to take over for him when he's done. And so the kid gives Art Holton all these drawings he made. And Holton's like, oh, my God, this is horrifying. So he goes to his Al-Anon team captain. Uh, his his like, sponsor? I don't want to say sponsor. It's like the guy who runs the group. Oh, okay. Like a facilitator. Yes, there you go. The facilitator. He like he goes up to he goes to his office and he's like, "Hey man, can I uh can I talk to you about something?" And the guy's like, "Sure. What's what's going on?" And both guys in this scene play it exactly how it should go, where the the one guy's like, "Hey, I'm really concerned about this kid. Like there's something wrong with his home life. He drew these crazy pictures. Like look at this." And he shows the guy the pictures and the the facilitator guy who look everybody in this movie looks like the cheaper version of a much more famous person uh-huh. i cannot figure out who this guy uh this the facilitator is supposed to be but every time i look at him i'm like what who are you and uh the the facilitator guy's like oh th- these are pretty disturbing and you say this kid's homeless and he's like it's not really clear and he goes huh well i mean there's not really much i can do it, is he in danger? And the guy's like, I'm not sure. And he's like, well, would he, would he come in and talk to me? And the guy's like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, well, if he does decide to come in, I'm always here. Doors always open. 
And the guy's like, okay, see you later. At no point does the thought of calling social services right. pop up. Uh, and that's where things fall off the cliff. It's at it's right after that conversation that the whole movie falls apart. Oh, okay. I no longer believe that is like a, a secret Christian movie. Right. But um, so the welfare guy or the, uh, the facilitator, mm-hmm. he drives to Arctic's house, gets out. There are these kids in rags working the fields. And he's like, hmm, that seems normal. And he walks up to the door, knocks on the door, and the wife answers, and she's this weirdo, like her husband. And he says, hi, I think your son might be in danger living here. He drew these crazy pictures, and he like shows them to her. And he's like, can I talk to your son? And she just looks at him, and then Arctic comes out of nowhere. He's like, hello, what seems to be the is she a great big old fat person? <laughs> he doesn't say that, but that's how I get into my <laughs> Buffalo Bill. And uh, I, I I do the uh, put the fucking lotion in the basket. Yeah, <laughs> he he says the same thing to the dad, and the dad's like, "Oh, the boy has a friend, huh? Well, that's interesting. Say, would you like to stay for dinner?" <laughs> and the guy, the guy is like, uh, "Yeah, I guess I do." And I'm just like, "Stupid man, <laughs> he's so stupid." <laughs> so he's like, he walks inside, and he's like. Well, thank you very much for the invitation to dinner. And, I, and I'm going to apologize to your wife. This is the first time I've ever in the, and then Arctic just stabs him in the, in the bottom of his mouth, you know, like where you're, up where from you're the, up from underneath. Yeah. Like under the chin Yeah, with a fork and the fork goes up and out his cheek. It doesn't a, seem like that would happen. It does. Like after you look at it, cause you're like, okay. you're like, it goes, it goes up into his his underside of his jaw, his chin. Yeah. And then it goes sideways past his teeth and out his cheekbones, basically out where his cheekbones are. That's some force. Yeah. And you're like, Oh wow. That looks painful. <laughs> and you're like, Oh man, I had to rewind it. Cause I didn't understand what was happening with the fork. Cause the whole side of his face is jacked up too. And I was like, he didn't hit. Oh, it's the fork. And so this guy falls down on the ground and he's like freaking out. And the wife starts freaking out because she just cleaned the floors. <laughs> now they're going to have to clean this up. And then two seconds later, he's in the the torture chair in Arctic's murder shed. And Arctic is interrogating him about the main character, Holton. He's like, tell me about the boy's friend. And the guy with the fork in his mouth is like, I, 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 just, I don't I, there's a fork in my mouth <laughs> like, for forever. And so Arctic just starts torturing him. He's like, well, you will talk. And then he starts like cutting his legs and stuff like that. He's like still torturing him, but he hasn't gotten any information out of this guy. And so he goes, this is really going to hurt. And he takes another one of his railroad spikes and his little sledgehammer uh-huh. and slams the spike into his brain. And I'm like, that's, that's not going to get you any answers, Arctic. You, you don't you know anything. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. The next day, the main guy goes back to his Al-Anon meeting and there's some other lady leading it. And he's like, hey, where's uh, where's regular guy? And she's like, we don't know. He's He hasn't been here in a couple of days. Main guy's like, oh, no, I bet I know what happened. I'm going to take care of this. So he drives to the farm and he reaches into his glove box and pulls out this gun his that he has. Gun. Yeah, he has it and he looks at it and he puts it back in the glove box. And then he gets out of the car and starts to run towards the house. And then he runs back to the car and gets the gun out of the glove box. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As you do. Yeah, that's. Chekhov's gun, you know, like it, if it made an appearance in the first minute, it has to show up in the same minute again. <laughs> he goes to, like, he's just looking around this barn and like scoping things out. He finds the murder shed and then he's like, oh, this is crazy. He sees Arctic howling at wolves off in the distance. And he's like, well, he'll be busy for a while. And he goes into this other barn and this is the barn where all the slave children are kept. Uh-huh. And he's like, Oh my God, there are slave children here. Kids, come with me. Come, come with me. And he's like reaching for them. And then Arctic comes up from behind and hits him in the head with a hammer. 
as is his style. Yeah. Main guy wakes up and he's tied to the torture chair. But unlike all of the other victims in this movie, he doesn't have a plastic bag over his head. And the guy just starts asking him questions about the boy. And he's like, I'm not telling you anything. He's like, oh, you will. You will tell me everything. And he just kind of tortures him for a little bit, but not like he tortures everyone else. Like, I guess they have this long conversation about being pure and purity. And he's like, I guess he mentions at some point that he's never had a drop of alcohol. The Arctic guy goes inside to his crazy wife and he goes, I need the alcohol. And she goes, we were saving this for our last day. And he goes, just give it to me. So she hands him this bottle of Jack Daniels. He goes outside and he goes, you always talk about being pure. Well, I'm going to take your purity away from you. And he basically force feeds him like three shots of alcohol. Uh-huh. The main guy's in the chair and he's like, more, come on, give me more. And he's like, he shoves the funnel back in his mouth and makes him drink more of it. Wait a minute. And that's wait the end minute, of that minute. scene. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. The- I don't know why I'm just asking this now, but this this guy who's all about purity and never has had alcohol before goes to AA meetings. The Al-Anon, isn't that? That's the one we're like. Oh, oh, yeah. Your family members. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So I guess his purity is taken when he involuntarily ingested liquor. So then, like, that's the end of that scene. <laughs> that's where it stops. All right. And then uh, a bunch of other stupid crap happens. Eventually, the kid turns on his dad after the dad forces him to drink alcohol so that the main guy can watch him take the child's innocence from him, uh-huh. which I guess is supposed to be a thing about. I mean, I'm reading into this movie because there's no substance to it. So, like, you could say, like, the that the liquor is sexual abuse kind of a thing where he's like, he's sexual, like by making the kid drink liquor, he's sexually abusing the child in front of him mm-hmm. because yeah. the way the guy, the way the main guy reacts to this guy making the kid have a sip of alcohol is so over the top where you're like, don't do it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't make him do it. No, no. And you're, and you're like, it's just a drink. I mean, Kids, kids should not be drinking alcohol, but it shouldn't bother you that much if he's having a little sip. And then the dad gets pissed and forces all of the liquor down the kid's throat. And you're like, that seems a bit excessive. He's just going to throw that up. And then he thinking, does. Boy, I hope they yeah. prepared this actor for this scene. Yeah. And the kid actor, he does a good, he does a pretty good job. I got, I got no problems with him. He's got like six lines in the whole movie. The, the whole climax of the movie is this ridiculous escape chase sequence the main guy gets away and decides that the best place to hide is inside arctic's house and the kid is rescuing all the other slave children and kid has the gun right now and the guy runs into the house to hide from arctic who has a shotgun for some reason now with unlimited ammo and he runs into the wife inside and the wife jumps on him like a spider monkey And they wrestle in the kitchen, and eventually he gets a frying pan and just cracks her across the head with it. Does it have a satisfying bong? Uh, The sound sound worked. I was like, okay, he got her. And then he, he makes the classic mistake of putting the frying pan down right next to her. And then he goes to address his face, which is all messed up now because of her while standing next to her and her eyes open up and she grabs the frying pan and hits him right in the shin, which is a devastating blow. And and the guy's like, are you serious? Well, he's like, ow. (laughs) (laughs) And so he retaliates against her by knocking all the dishes all the dishes, all the dishes. (laughs) He knocks all the dishes off the counter and some of them hit her and that knocks her out again for three seconds. Uh And he's, and he takes another moment to relax and then she's up again. And the little kid comes in the door and shoots her in the head. Oh yeah. And you're like, okay, is this movie over yet? And then all of a sudden gunshots from the shotgun start coming through the kitchen wall And the guy's like, ah, get down, get down, get down. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. So the kid gives him the gun and the guy runs out the back door right where the bullets are coming from. Right. And and Arctic is just shooting his unlimited supply of ammo of shotgun rounds. And the guy's like, whoa, 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 best. Oh, I'm going to go this way. And And then they just have like this chase sequence. They chase them through the sunflower seed fields 
And at some point, he shoots a child in the head and blows the kid's head apart, which was graphic. Who does? The bad guy? Yeah, the bad guy. Okay, all right. And then eventually, the main guy shoves a... Wins, yeah, he wins. What did? Well, no, what did? Now I want to know what did he shove? Oh, he shoved he a shove railroad. It? Where did he shove it? He shoved the railroad spike through his eye. Ah, there is one more thing that I wanted to share. So the guy who made this movie, mm-hmm. Tom Bocci Skrowronski, this was his first film. Oh, and in this interview that I read with him because there there's no trivia there's no information about this movie at all and i was like i must know more about this movie and this guy like he says uh, the interviewer asked him is this your first thing you've ever written like do you have a lot of projects that are just on the shelves and and you know you, the, like this is the first thing you were able to get produced and he's like nah i just woke up or woke up one morning and said i want to write a movie about my life and uh this is kind of that Except, you know, without all the killing. This is more like my girlfriend broke up with me and I was trying to make myself feel better. And that's the voice I gave the, the, the voice yeah. of the director. And the writer's like, really? You, uh, this is your first film? You don't haven't written anything else? He's like, yeah, well, I wrote like six pages and then I wrote a second draft and that one was pretty good and then we just started making the movie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Where did you get? Like, he must already be rich to afford this movie because it looks great. Like from a technical point of view, like it looks great. Some of the sound designs a little iffy, but like for the most part, it it looks really good. And then I found out reading the interview that the sunflowers that are on this farm, they're all CGI. Like they're all fake because they shot the movie in winter Uh when there, when there are no sunflowers growing. Okay. And I, and I went, Oh yeah, that they, they do look real. That that does look fantastic. Uh, up until the end, when they're like running past them, and you're like, "There's something off with this background," and you can't quite put your f- finger on it. You're like, "This is definitely shot on a green screen." Uh-huh. But you kind of let it go because it could just be a, that weird thing that plants do in light. Anyway, so the guy has no experience in filmmaking. He made this film and got it distributed, and has now been featured on the number one podcast about movies in the world. Oh, what, what podcast is that? Oh, ours. We're number oh, one. Oh, this, this. Yeah. Now, I see. Yeah, I yeah. see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant the guy doing the interview with them. <laughs> no, no, they're number two. I see. I, I just don't understand how a guy with literally no experience or anything was able to get a movie like this financed and distributed. Maybe like I know it's like unbelievably nephew. small. Yeah, there must be just a lot of money involved. That's like just his to play with. But I mean, it was it was Tommy Wiseau made the room. Yeah, but he was like independently wealthy. So yeah. that's all. That's all I got for Arctic. Well, maybe maybe it's the pitch. You know, maybe they were like, oh yeah, that sounds like what that's from this year. Yeah, maybe they were like, oh yeah, that sounds like it could. Uh, if we can get people to watch it by accident by making it sound like it's part of Split or Glass or something, we'll just yeah. ride that wave. Yeah, and the guy, the director says in that interview how much he hates comic book movies. He's like, I hate comics and comic books. Like, I can't stand them. So I thought I'd make a movie about that. And I went, yeah, it shows that you don't know anything about comic books. Like, like you think a guy who's obsessed with comics has a stack of 40 comics. Yeah. Or that's all the production could afford to buy was 40, 40 comics. It's, it's, it's probably worth checking out for the hour long that it is. Yeah. But the, the story really falls off a cliff really quick. Well, the end. All right, then. Well, then we'll move over on to Commercial Corner. Really, it's the same commercial that's always happening at the theater with these people finishing each other's sentences. Uh-huh. And what I hate so much, what I hate the most about this commercial is that the sentence completion doesn't even make sense. You know, like when you're watching it on, uh, what's it? Uh, Water Austin bottle. Powers. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, well, I was finishing watching... your sentence for you. <laughs> yeah, it's about that seamless. I mean, as far as the rhythm goes, it's on point. But in the Austin Powers thing, the thing the next person says finishes the sentence before it in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And at first it does in this where they're like, oh, man, the temperature's really hot dog. You know, it's like, (laughs) okay. But then they're like, yeah, the the aliens look just like pepperoni Pepperoni pizza. pizza. And you're like, wait a minute. No, these... 
the sentences aren't making sense anymore. They're just cutting to another person very quickly. And you could do that with anything. You know, like, oh, wait, no, that made sense still. <laughs> anyway, see, so I hate this commercial. I'm really, really tired of it. And it's not going to stop me from going to the theater. But, man, it's pissing me off. Now, I saw that actually after the previews because I missed some previews. I, I was on the phone, so I missed a few of the previews here. So I've only got four. Now, wait, which... before you get into previews, I have an announcement to make. Okay. Friend of the show, the big ticket, Kevin, is leaving the greater Philadelphia area. He got a he got a job somewhere else and is going to be moving down to Florida. Well, and now Philadelphia sucks even more. <laughs> so... Bon voyage, ticket. We'll miss you. Enjoy your greener pastures. Take it easy, big ticket. Have fun. Good. Enjoy your retirement. Uh, <laughs> I, I added that part. Uh, so there. So sorry to send you off with a half preview corner, big ticket. Which I think technically half of a corner is a line. So this is a preview line. The Joker, or just Joker. I finally find myself interested in this movie. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe it's because just the reviews have been like, I haven't actually heard any reviews, but I know they're really positive and it's being considered for awards and stuff. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm curious to see just how good it is then. And, and, you know, the preview does look kind of Nolan-y and I do like the Nolan movies. So I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. I, I at least want to go. I was going to go anyway, but now I want mm-hmm. to. Right. Um, yeah, I was I was gonna see it yesterday, but my back is all messed up, so I can't sit still. Yeah, uh, that sucks. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll go see it tonight. We'll we'll see. We'll see. So I'll preview for the new Star Wars movie that starts by showing clips from all of the other Star Wars movies. Uh, uh, yeah, the Rocky Four trailer, basically. Uh, that's yeah, what I, I guess that's what I called like it. That. Yeah. <laughs> now with twenty percent new footage. Yeah, that part didn't do anything for me because well. At the beginning, it shows the first three movies, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are pretty good. And then it goes on to show the other three movies, and I'm like, oh, God, that's right. (laughs) Never mind. Maybe I don't want to go to the theater. And then it got to the new ones, and I'm like, all right, I'm willing to go. So that was my experience with that. Then I saw another preview for Gemini, man. Here's the thing about this. So this movie, it seems like they've got young Will Smith hunting down old Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And finally, the question, like there's been this question in the back of my head that just didn't quite get to the front while I've seen this preview before. And finally it got there and I'm like, wait a minute. Why wouldn't they tell young Will Smith that he's hunting old Will Smith? Do they think he won't recognize him? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, like uh, yeah, you know, um, just just don't just don't look at the guy you've been sent to fight and presumably kill and you know as they show the whole movie practically in the preview which is the case all the time now just like sitting there going will they team up will old will smith and new will smith join forces well since i feel like i've seen the whole movie i'm gonna go with a yes so there's that i don't know this movie's not doing anything for me uh and then there's a preview for the king's man you know the new kingsman movie and uh there's a new one new one yeah yeah, I told you about it before, but you know, you might have had back problems then too. So the the, <laughs> the pain medication might have uh, dulled your senses. Yeah, the King's Man with, I guess none of the same actors. And the preview's weird because it's like we've been fighting with things all throughout time, and it keeps showing. It almost looks like uh, Assassin's Creed or something, where they're just sort of jumping from one war or one fight to another all over time and i did just nothing in this preview that makes me want to see this movie and ray fines is in this and i can't quite tell but i think i might be tired of ray fines and i'm like i'm not sure how you get tired of ray fines it's not like he's in everything but i might be i don't know i I think i'm just starting to get tired of everybody (laughs) i'm becoming a very bitter old man uh which is bad because i was a bitter old man when i was young that's it that's preview corner it's a short one. All right. Short one. Moving on to Ad Astra. So I saw this in, uh, what's the uh, Giants? Oh, IMAX. Oh, okay. So my first note says, I'm deaf. <laughs> <laughs> because whatever happened at the very beginning was so painfully loud. This movie I want to tell you about, but I don't want to spoil anything. And I don't just mean like plot points. Like I don't want to spoil 
sort of the essence of the movie in some ways. The preview had me wondering what this movie was about. And there were hints of like, okay, it has something to do with him going to space. It has something to do with his dad. It has something to do with trying to communicate with aliens, I think. I'm not quite sure what I'm going in to see other than Brad Pitt in a movie. And that may be the ideal way to go into this. Just kind of going, I'm not sure what this is about. Kind of ready to have it not fit into a specific genre. Mm-hmm. Now, I will tell you a little bit about the plot. But it, again, it's not, it's not exactly the plot that I'm worried about spoiling. But there are a lot of moments that are kind of strange. I will say this. I think if you liked Annihilation... Uh, and specifically the stuff about annihilation that like doesn't fit into and doesn't play by like the ordinary rules mm-hmm. then you might like this movie if you're going into it just looking for a, a space movie don't go see it there was a moment while i was watching it that i was like i think nick would really like this and then i was like or he would super hate it because um, <laughs> Because there is nothing, there is nothing that they care about in terms of space rules, like where you can breathe and what physics would do and stuff like that. They're not concerned with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard some stories and some of that may have to do with production and just trying to punch up the movie a bit, but it worked for me, like watching it and seeing it like kind of early on going, oh, okay, this isn't going to play by those rules. It doesn't feel like a bad movie. So it doesn't seem like these things are just happening because they're dumb. It seems like they're happening because they decided that the rules didn't matter that much. Take that into consideration if you're thinking of seeing it. In the movie, Brad Pitt is someone who is known for being very measured and extremely like emotionally detached. And they emphasize it. A lot. <laughs> like, it's it's almost as if that's the only thing that, I guess, I don't think it's NASA, but whoever, we'll just say NASA. It seems to be the only thing that NASA cares about. It's the, they keep having him measure his emotions, like checking in and doing these, like, psyche vows, like, every day. And it makes sense that that has something to do with, you know, needing to be able to stay emotionally regulated and stuff if you're going to be out in space. But it's the only thing they care about. So I think the movie's a little worried that you're not going to get what it's about. So that might be in there because of that. Brad Pitt does an excellent job. There's one specific line of dialogue because he does a lot of voiceover that I don't like. There's a moment where he's like, they're using me. God damn them. (laughs) I was like, "Eh." or no, maybe it's just it's just. Damn them. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that, that one quite, didn't quite land. But throughout the rest of the movie, he's really good at playing a guy who's feeling something but suppressing it at the same time. And his performance is really good. There were some scenes where I had this notion that popped up in my head. And it's a little strange. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure that Brad Pitt's going to have to play Bill Clinton someday. Uh, and you might not see that if you just kind of imagine the two of them in your mind but if you see this movie there are going to be a couple scenes where you go he kind of reminds me of someone and you go oh like a really young bill clinton interesting but like younger than brad pitt is (laughs) (laughs) in an alternate universe Bill Clinton looked just like Brad Pitt at some point. You could say that about me, too. I think that every time I call you, I just picture Bill Clinton or Brad Pitt. I kind of lost the thread. (laughs) (laughs) The most basic part of the plot, like where this movie kicks off, is that there's something going on in space. This like power surge thing that seems really dangerous to kind of the rest of the universe. and. Brad Pitt seems to be the best person to try to address it sort of indirectly, but like they kind of need him to go to another planet to kind of make a connection, try to make something work. Now, that's all I'm going to say about the plot, I think. Things happen in it that make it seem like it's got things in common with a lot of different movies. Like, I started making little comparisons somewhere in the middle of the movie. I was like, this movie's kind of like Mass Effect meets Field of Dreams. And no, that doesn't quite work. Contact meets Annihilation. Yeah, maybe. 
The Martian meets Equilibrium. And I probably could have done that with like a hundred more movies. At some point, I was like, this might be what it would be like if Star Wars was was real. But that doesn't work either. And since you're a Star Wars fan, I'm going to say, please do not go to the movies thinking that. <laughs> don't sweet. Don't listen to that part. Ben Affleck's in a space movie. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's. <laughs> but if at some point you're watching it and you're like, huh, that is kind of what that would be like if it was real stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, there's something to it that's kind of satisfying in that way. This doesn't happen, but I want to throw it out. There's, there's a moment in the movie where they run into space chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this doesn't actually happen. But oh, it doesn't? No, but something like it does, and it's just it's just wild. I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, this movie's not playing by the rules at all. And it's kind of cool. I could see other people thinking it's dumb, but I thought it was kind of cool. I will make one comparison that I don't think a lot of people would, but I think you'll... It, it makes sense, and it, once you see it, you kind of feel it, you go, yeah, that, that's that's a good comparison. John Wick. It's not an action movie like that, but in terms of building a universe without spelling things out to you, it does that. But it does it with this whole, like, here's how the near future works with space stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's cool, man. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to stop by the moon. <laughs> just like it's kind of nothing. And it's like, oh, okay, all right. So that's just a thing you can do. Interesting. And they don't spell it out. They're just like, yeah, you know, it's a given here. Early in the movie, I had a realization that has not a lot to do with this actual movie. But I was like, I have no idea, no idea at all how mm -hmm. close satellites are and space stations are to the earth. I just assume they were like the moon away. Uh, well, they're only like not, 200 miles up. Yeah, not not quite that far for satellites, but but yeah, I thought they were way further than they are, I think. Yeah. I would absolutely say that if you can see this in IMAX, see it in IMAX cuz okay. there are a couple scenes where it's pretty neat. Like I I you know, I'm afraid of heights and there are a couple scenes where I'm like, "Ah, heights." <laughs> like <laughs> making me uncomfortable and it was cool the music in this movie it works really well it's kind of strange so you notice it but it still works like it fits the tone any of the elements of this movie if they were in a different movie they would just fall on their face like they'd be bad mm -hmm. but they work here for me the movie is also really good at dropping little ideas that are meaningful without drawing a lot of attention to them. And I don't know what right now, like what examples I was thinking of when I made that note, but I know it's true and it gives it kind of a texture. Although, like I said, they hammered home the emotion stuff a lot. And there's a lot in this movie. There are a lot of different things that do sort of plot points and events and stuff that are technically they're pretty random but to me it didn't feel that way i think that's some people's criticism of it they're like oh there's just stuff thrown in for no reason and i'm like yeah it it does there are a lot of events that don't necessarily connect to other things but i think for me they fit because it's like oh well that would just happen if this is what the universe is like at this point mm -hmm. you know it's like oh that's sure. not there because it's part of the plot that's there because it would just happen. Yeah. And it, it for me, it helped me like get into this guy's shoes as he's making a journey. There are things that could be handled a little bit differently or more realistically, but I just don't care. There was about 70 minutes into this movie, and I think the hour is something like two hours and two minutes or something. But about 70 minutes in, I was like, this might be stupid. <laughs> like, something happened where I was like, oh, I think the movie's about to lose me. And it totally did not. Not at all. Oh, that's good. There are also moments that are kind of over overly dramatic. And again, it just doesn't matter to me. And what this is all about, for me, like, like the reason so much of this stuff works is kind of in the background. The actual like theme of the movie is going on. And for me, just happened to hit so on point. Like, I, 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 I love this movie. Like I walked really? away. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally do. And it might be pretty personal. I think a lot of people are going to watch this movie and think that it's a movie about fathers and sons, but I don't think that's the case. I think it is sort of cuz it needs characters to play out more of a man and himself kind of struggle. I think it has a lot more to do with maybe what it means to be a man, but not necessarily in like a 
man versus female kind of way, just like more mankind and the struggles between wanting to create and do and accomplish versus wanting to like settle down and connect with people and stuff like that. And there are different characters that sort of exemplify things a little bit. And you get to see how the main character kind of responds to this idea throughout the movie. I probably identify a bit with a different character than most people do. But like I was on my way home from the theater and I just started crying in the car. I I think this movie is really good at addressing or, or not maybe maybe not addressing in terms of like there being a if there is a moral, it's a little too simplistic, but just in terms of like drawing it out, at least of me. I don't know. Maybe this movie was made for an audience of one person that happens to be me, but I just thought it was amazing. And and you'll see that when I'm putting it on my hierarchy list or ranking okay. list. But yeah, you know, if you if you do see this, if you're seeing it just as like about fathers and sons, take a moment somewhere within it to go like, what does this say about your own inner struggles if they're there? And I think you'll dig it. And and definitely go in looking at it as sort of a spiritual sister to annihilation. You will absolutely hate this movie if you want a fast pace, if you want accurate science. And if you don't enjoy kind of an indie fantastical kind of feel, that's that. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Right now. Oh, now anyway, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to talk with you about it where we can spoil stuff. Like that. <laughs> that's going to be a good conversation. We'll have, we'll have Ad Astra Corner for six weeks. Oh, man. I, I look forward yeah. to it. That brings us to the moment in the show where we put movies on our movie ranking list. Matt, as you know, but perhaps our listeners don't, we started a list for each of us, and we put what we watched on the list, and it, the rules are it has to be better or worse than something already on the list. So, Matt, where are you going to put the first movie you watched? <laughs> 10 Cloverfield Lane. Right. That uh, movie. <laughs> it's going to go in between The Manchurian Candidate and John Wick Chapter 3. Wow, better than John Wick 3. Yeah, I mean, different kind of movie. I I appreciate a movie's ability to make me wonder what's going on. And maybe I appreciate that a little bit more than just the experience of fun action. And John Wick, I, I, I would not put it above John Wick 1. So let's let's not say above John Wick, but above the sequels. Yeah. Okay. A little bit. And how many stars would you give it? Um, I would give it three and a half. And I'm guessing that's a recommend? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now... Ad Astra. This is hard because I can't decide whether it goes above or below Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow, that high. Yeah. And I haven't had a lot of time with it. You know, I've only had a few days. Right. So I'm going to play it a little safe and put it just under Raiders of the Lost Ark and above Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. Mm hmm. It's huge. Yeah. Does the title make sense? After you watch the movie? You know what? I don't know where I found this out. It might have been in, at the beginning of the movie, but Ad Astra means something like into space. Oh, so okay. I guess it makes sense. It's it's not a phrase I think they ever speak in the movie. Oh, okay. I don't speak Latin, I, which is what I'm assuming it is. Yeah. How many stars would you give it? This is going to be huge. I'm going to give it four and a half stars. Four and a half stars. Wow. And that's a recommend from you. This is where it's weird. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, I, I, I could definitely not just recommend this to everybody. But if I'm willing to go, yeah, go see it. And if you hate it, just shout at me and that's fine. Then yes. Okay. I'm going to put Y <laughs> for the yes. <laughs> All right. Now on to my list. I watched two movies. One of them was something about the Star Wars. Yes, I found it. I have already placed them in my list and misspelled it horribly. So mine is going to go between Popstar and Batman Hush into the new number 39 spot. And I pronounced it Star Wars is a smacking star wars. What? <laughs> I guess I had a stroke while I was writing that. It sounds like it. Autocorrect abandoned me. I'm going to give that movie three stars. And it is a recommend. There's a lot of pretty interesting information in it. Now, the other movie I watched was called Arctic. Now, originally, I was going to put Arctic way down the list, like above the dead don't die. 
in the 81 spot. And I was like, you know what? I would watch this movie again. It's only an hour long and it's, it's really tense. It's really suspenseful. The violence in it almost makes you like turn away from the screen, even though it's not on screen. You kind of like grimace because of how well it's executed. No pun intended. And uh, so like I kept going, well, I'd watch it again over Solo, Aquaman, Broken Arrow, Space Cowboys, Hunter, Terminator Genesis, Runaway Journey. If they're Earth, I'd watch it again before Lady Hawk. And then I ran into Alita. And I went, I think I want to watch Alita Battle Angel more. So it's going to go in the number 70 spot between Alita Battle Angel and Lady Hawk. But I'm going to give it one and a half stars and not recommend it. (laughs) I'm surprised to hear you say that you want to see Alita at all. It it had its moments. The special effects are outstanding in that movie. But I want the sequel for it to come out. Like I want the story to continue because... You kind of want it to start... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right, Matt, anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week? Yeah, I'm only going to do one thing, but I was scrolling through the the shows that I listened to and seeing, all right, which one's good to recommend right now? And I'm going to say check out Behind the Bastards. It's a pretty good podcast about different people, more or less throughout history, who have done messed up things. And most topics are two episodes, so you get like... I think they put out two in a week, so you still get it within the same week, but you're usually getting about two hours of information about somebody. The host, Robert Evans, is pretty entertaining and seems to know his stuff really well. He always has a guest host, and they repeat. You know, you'll you'll hear some familiar voices, but uh, for the most part, they're good. I actually skipped an episode last time because I couldn't stand the uh, the visiting host, the guest host. But um, for the most part, it's a pretty awesome show. So, Behind the Bastards, check it out. Okay, great. Uh, if you want to know anything about the show, check out the website, thisweekinfilm.com. It's a little behind because the website's broken. It still works, but I can't add anything to it. So, ta-da. If you want to share with us what you watched this week, send us an email at thisweekinfilmpodcast at gmail.com. I guess we would read that on the show. Sure. Y- yay! It'll be a new corner. And uh, I guess if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. See you then.